0: Welcome back. This is the second episode of the Show Em the G podcast. Uh, So happy to be here with you guys uh, for round two. We got wonderful response from our first episode we released about a month ago. And I'm back in the room today with all three individuals who are helping uh, host this podcast, all, all four of us. Um, across from me today is Stephen Baldy, Coach Baldy, what's going on? Oh, I'm
1: doing great here with my oxycodone, ready to have a great <laughs> podcast today.
0: What, you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Snap, crackle, pop, goes my Achilles, that's all I want to say. Yeah. No more basketball you in my know, life. No more basketball, oh man. Yeah. Well, mm.
0: didn't we teach you years ago that track was just your thing and, uh, and stick with you know, it? I know, mean, I got I'd a hard head and soft butt. <laughs> yeah. You're a jumper, that's Yeah, it. we'd be, be upset if it wasn't, uh, if it if was the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh alton how are you good to see you
2: i'm great i'm excited to be back i he, he tore tours achilles but I'm, I'm more worried about the donuts where are the donuts <laughs> oh <No>, that's right, <laughs> that's that's right. It's yeah. out can
0: donuts you're supposed to be bringing snacks i'm so
3: sorry yeah next time next time next time
0: uh and also to my left is chris farley my husband who's also been dragged back to the mix thanks chris Love it. how Thank are you? you
3: julie glad to be here you guys did such an awesome job i edited the show uh When we put it out a month ago and it was a plus a plus content a plus quality stuff so glad to be back glad we're doing it again.
0: Well guys we have a big show today we've got a lot to talk about um, between alumni news uh, things that have been going on with the team and we have a very very special guest today that we're going to be talking to by phone. We're going to be reaching out to Rich Knaa, uh, Georgetown legend, Rich Knaa, Olympian, and actual um, director of the Atlanta Track Club. Um, and the reason that Rich is our our big uh, first first guest here is that Rich uh, directed the Olympic Trials this past mm. weekend, the Ooh, marathon stuff. Olympic Trials in Atlanta. So. Uh, we were able to get him to agree to come on the podcast, <laughs> wow. even though he didn't listen to our first podcast. So hopefully he'll hopefully he'll become, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully he'll become a, a lover and a believer um, moving forward. but we're gonna have Rich on the podcast here in a little bit. But first, uh, we had a big competition this past weekend, uh, the Big East Championships. Maybe you guys have heard of it. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Smaller (laughs) meet. We were out in uh, just east of Cleveland, Ohio at the Spire Center, which is a 300-meter flat track. Kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but it's a beautiful facility uh, set up for really fast times. And we had some incredible performances from this past weekend. Uh, both the men and women had um, some big wins um, from from individuals, and we had some uh, relay win and some really great performances across the board. So uh, instead of going through all the stats and stuff, we don't want to be boring you guys with stats. <laughs> oh, the point yeah. of this podcast <laughs> is to tell stories. Um, so we want to tell a few stories from this past weekend, um, and hopefully they resonate with you from moments in your past uh, when you stepped up big time for the team. So Coach McKenzie, um, tell us a little bit about um, the sprints uh, and hurdles from this past weekend. And and was there a story that stood out to you? Was there something that really got to the heart of you?
2: Yeah, it was actually something that didn't occur on the track. Um, Our senior Quincy Wilson, um, unfortunately, had some um, challenges injury-wise on uh, Monday. Uh, Came to me Monday morning um, just in tears, so passionate about wanting to compete. And that really pulled at my heartstring and um, set us up for what I thought was a pretty good day on Monday for the folks who actually had an opportunity to run. So uh, that really stuck with me. And um, on the women's side, uh, Maya Drayton, um, freshman. Uh, I don't think I've jumped that high in a long time. Uh, she ran mm-hmm. 54.78 to finish third in the 400. Um, she also ran 24.40 to finish fourth in the 200. Tough double. I'm really impressed both times are in the top 10 at Georgetown in Georgetown history. Um so those two those two stories uh, really stuck stuck with me.
3: And you said Quincy came to you on Monday. Now Monday, Monday was the day of the cuz it so was So you ran the sun- prelim Sunday. It was a Sunday
2: Monday meet. Correct. am so so yes, cuz usually yes. it's Saturday Sunday so. Yeah, okay. so it was very unique. The Big right. 10 was in there before us so they were oh, on gotcha. Friday and Saturday and then gotcha. we competed Sunday Monday. Um, but You know, to see a kid wanting to run that badly really, really got to me, and it tells me how passionate he was about um, wanting to compete for Georgetown and um, wanting to represent the group. So um, that stuck with me.
0: Yeah, and Quincy's had kind of an up-and-down journey the last couple of years, and... He's really put you know his best foot forward um, in terms of getting himself prepared for this being his final season so you can feel that heartache you know when he's trying to get out there on the line for his final but yep. you know maybe if it was the outdoor season it might be one of his last races we would have said okay let's see what you can do but right. knowing that he has a whole full season ahead of him um, that changes the, the the call we have to make a little bit more um, but Maya's performances this uh, season have been, just so inspiring and you got and i think people don't even realize this is maya's first ever indoor track season correct ever yeah she was a basketball player in in high school so she's making
2: me look really good yeah (laughs) yeah
0: she's put herself on the all-time list in how many events
2: three events um it was actually she actually came to me asking should i why um she thought about why she wasn't running the 60 but she's so coachable that i explained i'm like you're gonna be Potentially top three in in whatever event you run at Big East. And the plan all along was to run the 200 and 400. But she also has run 760, first 60 meters she ever ran, which is uh, top five at Georgetown as well. So she's got ridiculous range, which is a good problem to have. It's
1: exciting.
0: Very good problem to have. Okay, Coach Baldy, tell us about the jumpers.
1: Woo! uh, It was a great weekend. Um, We took titles in both horizontals for the women. But I tell you, the most um, touching moment was actually – uh, involved another another team, another coach. Hmm. Uh, so Anyela Delafos uh, waited to the last jump to actually take the <laughs> long jump title, dramatic, which dramatic you know made the rest of the hair that I have left on my head fall out. <laughs> um, but unbeknownst to me, um, another jumper previously in an event had been mismeasured and recorded to have a longer jump uh, than she actually had performed, and it was her head coach um, Dave Dopek from DePaul who actually brought it to my attention and said, "Hey, listen." before the results go over to the official and go final, you need to go protest and uh, I thought it was just an amazing um, example of sportsmanship because he didn't first of all he didn't have to tell me yeah. and and secondly you know he stood there for 45 minutes as we talked to the officials and the uh, Head official uh, to protest the event, and they ended up doing the right thing. And so, wow. uh, I doubt that the DePaul coach is listening to our podcast. <laughs> but I did tell him that if it, if within NCAA rules, the next time I saw him at a track meet, I might buy him one or two adult beverages. So, <laughs> um, shout out to, to Coach Dopeck at DePaul for just being a really stand up guy.
0: Yeah, that was a dramatic few minutes there too, right? Danielle yeah, was dramatic. just pacing back and forth. She just wanted to know one way or the other: did I win? Did I not win? Um, and and to You know, the officials were going back and forth because they were all arguing that they had made the right right call. And yeah. So DePaul, you know, Dave Dopek really had to step up and say, no, 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 listen, that's not what happened.
1: And it really came down to them believing him. And he said, listen, had my girl jumped 594, the whole state of Ohio would have known. So (laughs) um, (coughs) if it wasn't if it wasn't for him standing and and testifying on our behalf, it might have gone a different way.
0: Yeah. So
2: what was even more telling was he actually said to me, "Um, it doesn't matter what they say. I'm not taking it. Yeah. wow very Great.
0: cool yeah. it was a really really cool moment and for a freshman to win her at being at her first ever big east championship um and then take the title was was really, really cool. special yeah so Congrats! We had our uh, our both our two two women, or we had three women competing in horizontal jumps we this weekend. But two of the three of them came back with titles. And Lyric is our other freshman, and um, she you know was in tears at the end of the weekend. But she knows how much she has ahead of her and and what she's learned. So she sometimes does. it's that first championship that you kind of get get the jitters. She got her out. jitters out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, over on the middle distance distance side, uh, we had some fabulous performances this past weekend. Uh, of note. Uh, it it was pretty cool for Georgetown to go home having swept the middle distances from the conference. sweep. Yeah. Mm, So we, we, um, we won the men's and women's 800. We won the men's and women's mile, and then we won the women's four by eight. Um, so it was an awesome weekend for us. Um, on paper we weren't necessarily all coming in as the favorites uh for sure there were some uh, fantastic athletes from villanova particularly uh, but we just showed up and competed this weekend so uh, it was a really really great moment um for the entire program kind of ta- taking over that um those those titles so on the men's side uh, a really special performance from matt Piamps, um who is a freshman um and has had a really up and down first track track and field season. He actually led off the DMR at the JDL meet, um, trying to help the men's team qualify for NCAAs and was trampled in the first five meters and taken down. Wow. And a week prior had had a really bad ankle roll, which we weren't even sure he was going to be able to, to compete for us. So he is in great shape, but has just had a couple of, of roadblocks. And so, you know, going into the the championships last week, and I think he was feeling a little like, Oh my gosh, am I in shape? Am I not in shape? And, um, he took down a sub four guy um in the final straightaway from villanova and um nick Wareham, our senior miler had um you know taken the lead with 600 meters to go and um, matt just like a pro came around the term came around the turn with like 50 meters to go 75 meters to go and just cruised to the wind so um coming down that final straightaway was um georgetown's matt pyamps um uh uh, villanova's best miler and then our our senior nick wareham um so it was a really good moment was really special to see him handle himself as well as he did and 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 run a 53 second last wow. 400 Ooh, to take the running. field down. So that's that's some serious running. Um, on the women's side, we had um, a really special uh, season with uh, Sammy Corman, and it was really fun to see her cap off her season there at the uh, at the Big East Championships. She won the women's mile, and always a story behind it, right? She had run four. Either sixteen hundreds or miles over the course of nine days, Um, and that title that she won on um, Monday was her fourth. Um, So she had run uh, the DMR anchor for us out at um, the Notre Dame meet, uh, trying to qualify for the national championship. We ended up running eleven oh eight, which is the fastest time we've run in a number of years. Um, She ran 4.37.5 on that leg, Um, and then we had her run a last chance meet up in Boston and uh, ended up running a PR there as well, so 4.39 for the full mile, Um, and then she had the prelims two days later of the mile at Big East that Sunday, and then into Monday, uh, pretty handily uh, won the race, Um, and then was the leadoff for our 4x8 that ended up winning as well, so It was an awesome weekend across the board we had some really fabulous performances and i just want to speak for a second to the team energy there's just been such a shift in the last couple of years and i think that Um, Coach McKenzie and I certainly see the shift even harder this year with the team unity and excitement and energy and friendships that are forming across the board. Um, And it's really special to be, you know, witness to that. And I think we talked a little bit about that on the first podcast, but um, just so reminiscent of what it feels like to be in a really, really special program. They are in a really, really special program, but they own it and they love it. And it's um, it's really, really building. And um, Coach McKenzie is kind of our hype guy now. So uh, <laughs> he he gave the uh, team uh, pep pep talk on uh, or or was it pep rally almost? It was uh, a hype session. It was a hype session. It involved Coach McKenzie um, on top of a table wow. in uh, in the hotel uh, meeting space. Can you do that for us now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, I can. I mean, yeah. You know, the only reason I didn't have Barley do it is he's you know he had a little injury, so right, hop along, hop along. He's, he's my weeks. he's he's you know. He's my uh, partner in crime, so yeah, we, we'll be, there'll be some hopping on tables to come.
0: Yeah, so let's let's uh, awesome. call that for the Big East Outdoor Championship. Are you going to be healed up by I'll then? I'll be healed
2: up in a couple of weeks. Okay, well Good we'll stuff. see. No,
0: how, how, more how no more basketball for you. How important is
2: the, is the Big
3: East? I mean, Big East is changed over the years. It's a different Big East than when you guys competed. Very different. Yeah. Is it is it that got the same juice? It's the same importance to your athletes.
2: Well, well, I think the passion that you'll feel in the in the Big East is not just coming from us, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty loud in there. Yeah. I think teams are starting to feel like this is, for some, it's their season. This is the biggest yep. part of their season. So it does, you could still, still feel that energy. Maybe it's different. It's not the same as when um, some of us were in college. Sure. But absolutely, you could feel the passion from the student-athletes. So um, we're typically, we've been kind of a quiet team. We kind of do most of our shouting and, and talking on the track but i said you know i said coach uh coach Bonzi isn't here coach culley's in here i'm gonna be a little bit rowdy and um they enjoyed it you That's know great. they were like we were pumped up after they did that they were really pumped up and it's just to to get them out of their you know some some nerves there's some people who are probably having some tension coach baldy told a great story about you know somebody who helped him when he was a freshman to to um warm up at big east and it was brian woodward yeah, and i had i had never heard that story so yeah. it was good to kind of let them know that it's okay you're going to be nervous but hey let me dance and get some of that jitters out of you and be silly just relax and have fun and we want to make sure that's something that's always at the forefront
0: yeah and i would say um you know when a conference changes the the old big east we all competed in the old big east right and we had our rivals in the old big east and we had like long-standing history with a lot of those schools we used to compete against You know, everybody kind of says the new Big East and it's different and it's not the same. It's about the teams in the in the new Big East developing those rivalries, developing those relationships and developing um, really that competitive spirit against each other. And the coaches are really committed to to trying to build that more and more and more. You know, we talked to a lot of the other coaches and they're like, we got to get the you know conference back to prominence. And it's about all of us with our recruiting and those rivalries that are building. And so it, it is very different. And, you know, I competed at Rutgers, so I know what that felt like being in right. the old Big East. Um, but it's different now, and I think different is okay as long as we're all committed to you know building those uh, those relationships and building those rivalries. And trust me, there's no different rivalry with uh, Villanova or Providence. We just have new sprint rivalries with yes. uh, DePaul and an old one with St. John's, and like so. There's a lot of different dynamics that are happening in there, but um, it's a lot of fun. And the kids don't know any different; they just right. know that this is their conference championship. Yeah. Um, D- so for that, for us, it's so important to just keep hammering that home like this is it this is it this is it
2: to, to talk a little bit I mean Julie gave a great example just one event the men's 400 Lawrence League won it last year in 47-4 this year he ran 47-18 and was third. Wow. and it's probably one of the most exciting races at the championship because the person who caught him to beat him was a guy who he beat last year so 46-95 won the 400 and it took 47-18 to make the podium four years ago that wouldn't have been the reality um, Lawrence also had a long weekend, so shout out to Lawrence, six <laughs> yeah, races wow. in, in over four days, he ran Friday as well, split 46-1, and came, ran 47-18 in the final, then split 46-2 on the 4x4, so uh, he had a busy weekend as well, so shout out to uh, the, work ho- the workhorse, Lawrence Leak.
0: Forty six two at the end of the meet too. Correct, That's awesome. Well,
2: that was race number well, just six.
3: One one last thing for me. I know we got to get to Rich here soon, yes. but these moments do matter, and I'm so it's so awesome to to uh, for you guys to really convey that to your athletes because I don't think as athletes you have perspective, but. You know, you're talking about uh, Baldy 20-some years later. I don't know how many
1: years it was. 25. It's remembering. That's a memory
3: to you. Big East.
1: It is. Yeah,
3: and that stuff matters.
1: Yeah, it was my first meet, and I was scared as hell. (laughs) And uh, I couldn't find my coach. And back then, I was explaining to the kids, you couldn't, you couldn't call or text. There was <laughs> no cell phone. Right, right. And the only person I could see that was close to me was Coach Gags. And I was trying to figure out where to warm up. Now, the last person I was going to ask where to warm up was Coach Gags. Yeah, that's right. And so I'm looking around at Cary Dome. <laughs> I know Woodward. I look like I have no idea what's going on. Which is true. And, and this junior middle distance guy comes up to me, and it's Brian Woodward. And he's that's like, right. come with me. And he takes me up to the second floor of Cary Dome, and we're warming up. And I'm like this freshman long jumper who's not even expected to make the final. Right. And I'm warming up with Brian Woodward. I'm like, I'm supposed it's, to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, I get all excited. I finish second in the long jump, and it's you know, it's because this guy tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "Come on, man, Come on. Let's, just, let's just go." And that's what it felt like this weekend. It's Coach awesome. Mitchell mentioned on the bus, you know, kids are always on their cell phones. Right on the ride up to the meet on the women's bus, they were all talking and singing songs. I mean, there was no cell phones anywhere, yeah, which right. really was an indication of like they really like each other. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, the the team excitement is it was very. It was very present this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think that's why we saw so many wins this weekend and people really, really going for it because they're fighting for something bigger than themselves. Yep, agreed. And it's taken a couple years, I think, to get the team to that place where they're like, they're really running for Georgetown. They're running for each other. Like, And we talk coming into this championship, like we can win these events. Like we can yes. be top three in these events. Um, and, and that's been the goal for the program <clears throat> since we've taken over in the last couple of years is, is getting that fighting spirit back, uh, for each other, not necessarily for the coaches or right. any, it's for Georgetown. And, for Georgetown. and it's been really special to see that, you know, a lot of people that have been a part of the program that was just there for them, right. you know, and, and we've kind of had to, 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 to remind them of that the last couple of years. Um, so it's really powerful to see them really come to the forefront now and embrace that and love that. And so they'll keep much. building off of it too, I think. Yeah, yeah It's a lot of
1: fun this weekend. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Great stories. Um, there are always tons more that we don't get to, but, uh, it just, uh, get a little, little piece, a little taste of what Big East has been like from the coaching perspective. Um, and, and, you know, from the voices of the athletes too. So we appreciate that so much. Okay. Next up is uh, Rich Kana. Uh We will be on the phone with him here in just a moment. We are excited to be joined by... Rich Kanaugh, Olympian and two-time World Championship bronze medalist. Um, he was a legend, or is a legend, Still right? Still a legend. Yes. At Georgetown University. Um, he graduated in what year?
2: 92. 92 okay, with right AM. Now,
0: so. yep. um, Rich, you originally hailed uh, from New Jersey, so we have that connection. Uh, you're from, what, West Orange, New Jersey? That's correct. West Orange. I had my family all grew up in North Jersey, too, so... Um, Great to have you on the show today and and we're so excited to talk to you especially after the olympic trials i imagine you're completely exhausted um, we have so many questions. You're actually our second episode. Um, you're our first no e- our yeah, first ever guest.
2: Yes. Um, so
0: we're, we're going out strong. We're going out hard here. So we really appreciate you being here. Um, and it was so important for us to not only bring you on as a legend from Georgetown, um, but certainly just um, the experiences that you've had the last couple of weeks. What's most relevant in current news in, in the track and field and road racing community is this past weekend's Olympic trials. Um, so welcome thanks so much for being here um tell us a little bit about your week are you are you having some downtime? you know what's been going on since the trials this past weekend
4: well first thanks for having me on any opportunity that i have to talk to georgetown folk i certainly seize on uh it is uh it is a bit of a down week for us after you know, essentially two years of driving forward so much like a marathoner is going to take some days off after a, <laughs> a, a major race, uh, our staff is trying to do the same uh, this this week. But I'm I'm excited to to talk Georgetown and 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 uh, maybe relive some of the old times with some some of my friends there.
0: So, are you as sore as a marathoner would be? Like, <laughs> how much time do you think you were spending on your feet last weekend?
4: <laughs> so we have. As part of a, a pretty expansive emergency management operation, we have what we call ham radio operators, uh, and so I have a shadow uh, who was assigned to me throughout the weekend, and uh, he—I can't remember the exact number—but he, but he calculated the number of steps that he walked following me around the whole time. Oh no! Wow! Uh, and and suffice to say, I think he covered a marathon, <laughs> <laughs>
0: which I guess means you did too. Um, well, walk us back here. Um, t- tell us a little bit about your journey. You started with Atlanta Track Club, I believe, in 2014. And when did you guys start talking about bidding for the uh, 2020 marathon trials?
4: Correct. I've been here in Atlanta uh, since since February of, of 14. Wasn't part of any big grand plan, uh, but it's been an absolute joy to, to lead Atlanta Track Club, a 55-year-old nonprofit that's focused on, on getting people moving forward, track and field, road racing, marathoning, walking, cross country, and everything in between. About 15, 16 months ago, uh, we were on the fence uh, around uh, the bid process, so trying to decide whether the, uh, the dedication of the, the resources needed um, and the most valuable resource, the most precious resource being time. Uh, w- whether we were ready to, to make that commitment and uh, and ultimately we decided so we were one of four bid cities uh, We were awarded the bid in uh, in April of that year uh, and since then uh, we've we've had head heads down focus on trying to create the best ever Olympic trials experience for both athletes and spectators alike and thankfully the the weather gods shined on us uh, last saturday uh, uh the god sent us a little bit too much wind a little wind um yeah. but, but they certainly gave us some sunshine so we we were really really fired up about uh, uh about the weekend and, and how it turned out
0: yeah it was absolutely fabulous chris and i actually had the opportunity to be down there um we were actually live podcasting with yeah. brooks running um from down there brooks had a house um or a, an office yeah. space really it was was really cool but um We got firsthand, you know, a taste of what that experience was like. And, you know, Chris and I have been part of the running community for decades now. Um, But this was so different. It was like an actual celebration of running and in in all facets, right, because you had just so many fans that came to town. Um, you had the vendors that were all there. You obviously had the athletes. You had the elites. You had the you know, TV coverage. I, I've never seen anything like that. And we've been part of the track trials, but the track t- trials is much more limited. It's more expensive to get to. Um, the tickets are more expensive. This was like a celebration. Yeah,
3: I, I, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on you. All eyes yeah. were on you this weekend. I know.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, talk about that piece of it. You know, it's not just one thing to no. execute a race and to Make sure that uh,
3: execute two marathons first of all he right. put on the the olympic trials and then put on the public's uh marathon and half marathon and 5k the next the next day
0: talk about um what it meant for you you know kind of taking over atlanta track club and building the infrastructure not just for the experience of the athletes themselves but you know for really about the celebration of the sport how did you guys kind of harness that whole piece
4: so when, when we ultimately decided to, to submit our bid, it was important for us to create a weekend that was inclusive, inclusive of everyone in the running community, uh, from uh, from the, call it the, the highest seed in the trials all the way to the last qualifier, uh, to the first-time marathon participant at Publix, uh, to the veteran, uh, from... Uh, kids as, as young as two or three running in our, in our Publix Atlanta Kids Marathon dash, all the way up to the best high school kids mm. in, in the state of Georgia, as well as inclusive of the entire community that is Atlanta. We're an Olympic city, so we had this interest in reigniting that Olympic fever uh, that the city experienced back in 1996. And, and for whatever reason, the, you know thankfully, it all came together. <laughs> Uh, and, and really was, to your point, uh, a celebration of all things running, not the fast runners, not the slow runners, but all runners. So at our experience, which, which is our expo, uh, we, we teamed up the Olympic champion in the shot put with the, the best shot putters in the state of Georgia and gave them the opportunity to compete together in a pro-am. So that really was the, the, the theme for, for all of our planning is inclusiveness, uh, so that everyone could walk away uh, and see and feel like they had, you know, their their own identity, if you will, uh, in what we like to call Running City USA, that, and that is Atlanta.
0: Wow. Well, kudos to you. Um, it was absolutely fabulous. Tell us a little bit about, um, cause you had a lot of experience both as an agent and then executing big time events, um, in the track and field community. Were you also experienced with, with, uh, road racing and that type of, um, those types of events or, you know, were you kind of drawing on the experiences of the past in your previous jobs in, in what you brought to Atlanta this past weekend?
4: I faked my way through the first <laughs> few years here. <laughs> so yes, uh, that's actually a really good question. So, uh, I finished my own competitive career in 2001 and knew I wanted to stay involved in the sport and, and, and got involved on the athlete management side and the, uh, the televised track and field side and, and had been doing that for more than a decade. Uh, toward the end of my time at Global Athletics, the Boston-based company that I, that I worked for, we started to do some work for the Boston Marathon where we, do, where we handled the sponsor servicing. And it was during that time that I recognized and realized that uh, that I that I enjoyed working with the everyday runner and not just the Olympic level athlete. So uh, so so I, that's that's how I ended up here. That's how I landed here in Atlanta. Um, you yeah, know, but I I was an 800 meter runner uh, and and a mediocre miler so (laughs) so the idea that that uh, that i knew really much of anything about road racing or marathoning was was a bit of a stretch so it's been a steep learning curve for me but i think a lot of the um a lot of the lessons really are the same from from track and field over to to road racing um but from a from an operational side I was just lucky to step into an organization that had employees that, um, that were really, really good at their job. Uh, and they helped me learn racing and marathoning. And I, I think I brought a little bit of sort of the, the marketing side, uh, to our organization. When I arrived here, we were, we thought of ourselves as a small nonprofit mission focus. Uh, and, and now we apply some basic sports marketing, you know, principles and practices to that
3: small nonprofit. Second, Largest membership club in the country for running, and over thirty-four thousand members. That's pretty big,
4: man. Wow!
0: <laughs> Sounds like that's grown yeah, yeah, a lot in the last few years. years. Yeah, we, yeah,
4: yeah, we have we have grown significantly. So we've got uh, this just this really cool running community in Atlanta that I did not realize existed before mm-hmm. I got here. Uh, you know, there are there are more than four hundred road races a year in Atlanta. Uh, Land Track Club does about forty of them. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got more than 125,000 people who finish our events each year, and, and you referenced, Chris, we have thir- 34,000 uh, dues-paying members. Uh, so it's a lot of fun uh, to, to be in this community because pretty much every weekend you can find something, some event, some program uh, that, that works for you.
3: Yeah. It's Atlanta track Yeah. I mean, if you're in going to Atlanta and you want to go for a run or meet up with a group, Rich has got as the executive director of the Atlanta track. Club. He's got runs, he's got races. And so it's a, it's pretty all encompassing, which is awesome.
0: Well, I would say that I would make the argument that that uh, Washington D.C. is one of the best running communities yeah, in yeah. the country. As so we transition, if we yeah. can get ourselves organized here, Rich, <laughs> yeah. we're going to invite you to come back home and try to help us build there this running community in a more <laughs> organized fashion. It's very, uh, very segregated in terms of the, for sure. Yeah, the, the road racing and uh, you know the membership and all those types of things. So uh, maybe we'll come down there and try to figure out how you guys have harnessed that community. Fabulous job, oh, I, though. I'd
4: love any opportunity to come back and, and run on the towpath and the W.O.D. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And the many other places that I, that I spent most of my life. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit Georgetown. Um, you know, I, I know one of the basic questions everybody, you know, kind of gets asked is, is why Georgetown? And, um, you know, why did you decide, you know, t- to come to Georgetown? Did, did, you know, gags come and sit in your living room? Like, tell us a little bit about the experience and the choice that you've made to, to come here.
4: Well, I guess I would start by saying there are there are few decisions that I that I've made that, that have uh, informed who I am today, like the one you know, th- that I made to attend Georgetown. Far mm. and away, the best decision ever made. Wow. Um, bo- both from a, you know just a a personal growth perspective an athletic perspective and education. Um, and uh, and I do much like a lot of people in my era owe that to Gags. So I, uh, I was a North Jersey guy, uh, Julie, um, as you had, had mentioned, and, and uh, I had slowly developed throughout my high school career but was not, uh, not a major player sort of on, 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 the, on the recruiting scene, if you will. And there was a, a good friend of Gags' who coached uh, at Seton Hall Prep uh, who said to Gags during my senior year indoors, hey, you might want to take a look at this guy. And at that point... I had already applied to Georgetown. I'd already been rejected. <laughs> uh,
0: Little-known fact.
4: <laughs> and I had already gotten a call. What? Not from Gags, but someone on the staff uh, who had seen that uh, I listed as a as a relative of mine. Someone named Tom O'Hara. Uh, and you, you know, some some older folks who listen to this might remember there was a great American miler named Tom O'Hara. So I got a call from someone at Georgetown asking if I was related to the miler Tom O'Hara, and it was not the same. I <laughs> had oh never heard anything again.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious.
4: So um, so Gags called me up right after the, the indoor season in, uh, in New Jersey and just said, I understand you have an interest in Georgetown. I said, yes. He said, well, you need to come down and visit. And uh, he picked me up at the airport. Uh, I didn't even stay overnight. It was a it was sort of a, a hastily thrown together last minute visit. Uh, and uh, the, the first thing Gag said to me when he picked me up at, at what was the, the old National Airport at the time, he said he said, "Man, you are a pain in the ass scheduling a flight <laughs> at this time of morning." Having uh, complaining about having to to fight traffic to pick me up. Uh, no. But uh, before I left back for the airport, that day gags looked at me and just said hey do you want to come to georgetown and i said yeah and then he said no no you don't understand what i asked you He said do you really want to come to georgetown and i said yes uh and he said okay we're going to find a way to make this happen uh and and again you know repeating myself just just so lucky to have been given that opportunity
0: well, Charlie Deacon then must have pulled your uh, application out of the reject pile and <laughs> stuck it back in the put in the acceptance pile. So, we're right very after he grabbed AM's. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: I, I was just about yeah. to I was just about to add I'm sure you don't be don't feel bad, you're you're one of many who thanks to GAGS' uh expertise in figuring it out that uh, you got in. Um I was a miracle getting too. Um one, one question I wanted to ask you, Rich. Obviously, you've just pointed out you weren't necessarily the star recruit. Um, who else was in your class? Who was your Who was in the class of '92 um, as far as recruits? Talk a little bit about um, some of those people and the relationships you've you formed since then, from way back in '88.
4: Yeah, we had we had some great recruiting years back then, and, and in 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 my year alone, I Steve Holman, arguably one of the greatest American milers in history, uh, who. Ends up being my roommate for a few years. Uh, Paul Whitaker uh, was another roommate of mine, and Dan Dashelay, who was a Texas State mile champion at the time. Uh, so those are the, the the three guys sort of you know, I would think about from a middle distance perspective. And then uh, you know Chris Chris Brown, who um, was the greatest, probably, maybe still, the greatest sprinter. Uh, still has the at, outdoor record. Yes. Point um, was also, also of my class. And then, and then on the, on the female side, um, we had some of the, some of the best runners that, that, uh, that Georgetown has ever had during my, my time from Carrie Bertrand to Karen Cannon and Mary German, uh, and, and many others. So, um, the, the, the quality of the athletes w- was superb. Um, but the quality of the people was even better. And, and, and I'm ashamed to say that I, I probably don't keep in touch with anybody outside of the track team from my time <laughs> at Georgetown, um, right. but but maintain good, strong uh, friendships and relationships with with all the people um, that, uh, that, that I spend time with uh, on the team there.
0: Rich, tell us a little bit about um, when you graduated from Georgetown. Um, was the Enclave in place at that time? Is that, you know, did you kind of just transition in or were you one of the first members of the Enclave?
4: I think it was, I was it was it was unofficial in in '92. We were, we were just starting to to be noticed as a a a city a destination for post collegiate athletes. Uh, so it was getting off the ground. Tom Nohilly from the uh, University of Florida, Bob Lesko from Yale, uh, Ronnie Harris from the Naval Academy. were all uh, Jim Gibson. Uh, also from Yale's people chaser, uh, Ray Pugsley, Every, everyone had sort of gravitated toward, uh, toward Georgetown and training in Washington, D.C., so there, there wasn't necessarily a name at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened organically, and, and between 92 and 96 it became more formalized uh, and really, really, I think, was the beginning of what the model is today for post-collegiate groups uh, to to help athletes get to the next level.
0: So tell us a little bit about that structure because, you know, we have a lot of athletes that who continue to come out of Georgetown with uh you know prospects of of running pro but a lot of them don't understand that you know you guys are running some of the fastest times in the country fastest times in the world at that time and your times would still be some of the fastest times in the country and fastest times in the world but you didn't necessarily have all the bells and whistles can you tell us a little bit about what that experience like was the facilities
4: like and all yeah, those
0: facilities and yeah facilities you know when you were at Georgetown when you were training with the enclave what was that like and, and what made it so special
4: so it's it's a great question and and now having uh high school age kids uh competing in different sports around the state of georgia and seeing the facilities that exist out there today and, and looking back at the facilities that georgetown had or better said did not have uh it's it's really interesting and and a testament to uh, to the quality of coaching and the environment that exists there, uh, that we were able to do so, you know, with, without the, the facilities that many other schools are blessed with. So I'm a big believer, uh, in, in sort of bootstrapping. And, and if, if a recruit is making their decision on, on how nice a locker room is, or, or, um, you know, how many seats are in the football stadium, or how many lanes are on the track, I, I would argue that that's a recruit that Georgetown doesn't want. I,
3: agree. Um, Love it.
4: You, I, I think we as a school back then, and presumably still are today, uh, is, is one that, that wants quality people uh, who are looking for a world-class experience at the at the college level across academics athletics and social uh in in that order and gags beat that into my head hundred <laughs> uh and and we were and it's sort of a long-winded answer uh to, to your question about facilities i didn't make my decision on on where i went to school on facilities i, I made it because i watched I watched George Down set the world record in the DMR at the Penn Relays when I was in high school, and said, "Hey, I want to be part of something special like that."
0: Wow! I think we may need to pay you to come up here Seriously. and, and was, talk to the team again. Again, it's been a couple of years, um, but you know, uh, Rich, it's so that's so true to us, and I think that's one thing that we're really trying to convey um, to our student athletes currently and to our prospects that. Um, to be great, you don't have to have, you know, bells and whistles. Um, to be great is really about being part of a community that's uh, focused on, on you know, the academics and athletics, certainly, but having incredible culture, having a strong tie to the history of the program, knowing that the program has been incredibly successful with all kinds of roadblocks, um, but not even seeing those things. I think what's really special about our current team is knowing that, by the time they're seniors and fifth years in college, there's no experience that they would rather have ever had. Um, they, the, you know, we, we train on a 320 meter outdoor track right now and uh, they love it. They absolutely love it in the same way that we do because we want those student athletes to come to Georgetown who have grit Um, who want to be part of something that's a little bit different, Um, who have a chip on their shoulder, who want to be part of of great culture and um, want to be able to do things without all the extras. Um, And we do have some fabulous facilities at Georgetown, um, but the track, the simple track piece of it has always been a little bit different. We've always had a very different story um, when it comes to that. So incredible to think about that being part of the history of the late 80s into the 90s and even with the um, birth of the Enclave um, and what a special special post-collegiate group that was um, and just knowing that that wasn't part of the fabric the fabric was the people and and Georgetown has always been about the people.
4: How hard a sell is that today for for high school kids of 2020?
0: You know, I think if we're um, really honest and upfront and, and that's literally one of the first conversations I have with a, a really high level prospect is like, here's what it looks like and here's why we are successful. I think if you try to hide it and you try to talk around it um, and you don't talk about the things that make us a little bit different, um, then you're you're almost like duping them and you're going to disappoint them. But if they're still excited about it, if they're really excited about just being part of a really great team. Um, they're not going to even see those things, you know. We talk about um, the Olympians who've trained on the, you know, similar facilities. Um, we've talked about national champions. We've talked about, you know, top three NCAA performances, Big East championships. All those types of things that have happened um, with facilities that look a little bit different than other places. And, um, you know, we talk mostly about. Hey, if you want to be successful, success is about hard work and good people. Um, And, you know, if a kid's bought into that, they're bought into Georgetown. And if they're not bought into that, they're not going to be a good fit for us. And we don't we probably don't want them anyway, to be honest.
4: Amen.
2: (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So quick question. We're talking about Olympic trials. And, you know, you've kind of started a story about a guy who initially got rejected to get into Georgetown becomes a Hall of Famer. Talk to me a little bit about, put this back in your memory tank. I don't know if you've even gone there in years, uh, 1996 Olympic trials. We're talking about trials, and we're not going to talk about the 2001. That one is, a you know, the tale end of the story, but we want to hear about that journey. Can you share a little bit about your experience, 96 Olympic trials? Have you thought about that Olympic trials recently?
4: I think about it every time I drive uh, down the connector here in Atlanta. That's yeah, right drive there. That's what was the Olympic Stadium, yeah, <laughs> for better or for worse. So uh, when I when I take a step back for a second, when I was six, so that's 1976. Uh, that's Bruce Jenner, Montreal, Wheaties box. And from that time, I can I can remember sort of just being mesmerized by the Olympic movement and wanting to 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 be an Olympian someday. Uh, and certainly, there was nothing early on in my in my youth running career or high school career that would have led anyone to believe that I could ever make it to the Olympic Games. And then you know, slowly improved through my years at Georgetown and '92. Uh, Did make it to the Olympic trials, but, um, was, was an after ran, didn't make it through the rounds. But in my mind, I was going to dedicate four years, uh, to chase my dream. My first four years out of Georgetown. Uh, and my father likens it to a starving artist, you know, waiting (laughs) to, to make it big. Um, so 93 and 94 rough years, uh, with some injuries, uh, and then Figured it out. Figured out the proper mix of training that I needed, and started to have some breakthroughs in '95. But still, in '96, was not not a favorite to make the the Olympic team by any stretch of the imagination. But was just just in the shape of my life when I got to the trials here in Atlanta, uh, and through the rounds. At the t- so back then there was a there were three there was three rounds before the final. So you had essentially four races over five days. Uh, and so it was, it, was, it was sort of brutal uh, round running. But by the semifinals, I, I had moved myself into a position where people thought that I was a contender. Unfortunately for me, uh, I, I started to, to drink my own Kool-Aid and got to the final thinking that I was the guy. Uh, so in the semifinals, I won my heat uh, in 144 high, feeling good, slowing down at the end. Uh, and then you know funny story uh johnny gray who was the american record holder of the 800 at the time uh toward the end of his career uh said to me before we got out uh on the track before the final he said i'm going to take you into the johnny gray twilight zone uh, <laughs> oh, wow. and and i fell for it and went after it and um i got to i got to 600 meters on his shoulder uh we were out crazy fast and then at that 650. Uh, I started to to not feel great. By 700, I had fallen to third, and uh, over the last 20 meters, I ended up uh, finishing fourth. So the worst possible position for anybody at the Olympic Trials, for it So, a really long story to a short question. Am is that uh, I, I went from not having a chance to making the Olympic team to. Essentially, being a favorite to making the Olympic team and then screwing that up by finishing fourth, um, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to to my athletic career. Um, I was I was close enough to uh, to to see it and to taste it, uh, and learned a ton from that disappointment and ultimately came back and was lucky enough to make the team in two thousand.
2: Wow, a wonderful story and in you're in, in Atlanta and yep. isn't that interesting? Yep. Come come all the way full back. Full circle. Come back full yeah.
0: circle. Well, Rich, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's really so special for us to hear from you about your Georgetown experience, um, and then certainly um, the most recently relevant, um, incredible endeavor that you accomplished in the last week or so, um, was executing last week's uh, dual marathon, um, an incredible show down there. Uh, we're so blessed to call you an alum, and we're really thankful that you joined us here today. Thank you so much.
4: Thanks again for having me, and best of luck to the team the rest of the year. Thank you. Thanks,
2: Rich. Rich.
0: Thank you so much to Rich Kana for an incredible interview. Uh, taking time, he's probably supposed to be resting right <laughs> now, right? He say, said. I,
3: was, I, I would be. Rest. You yeah, know, you yeah. know, on the Atlantic Track Club website, it says the Atlantic Track Club offices are closed March 6th through March 9th as we sit here recording uh, March 6th. So, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. they are on so, break right yeah, now. So, so, we appreciate well, he, him. Much deserved break. For yeah, sure. hopefully, this doesn't work for him. Hopefully, yeah. it's a, a joy to reconnect with mm-hmm. Georgetown. But thanks so much to Rich for a great interview. Um, hopefully we'll get him to promote the podcast a little bit (laughs) too. And listen listen. yeah, Yeah. listen and and send it to his friends, uh, at Georgetown. So uh, a couple of things that we wanted to touch upon. Um, we've had a couple of events the last few weeks. Um, one of our, our biggest fundraising events of the entire year, the letter winners challenge. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was so inspired by the amount of people that came out of the woodwork this yeah, year was with great. Letter Winners I was Challenge. So fired up! It was so really fired up. And I think it's been, a, a, you know, several years coming now where we've had more and more people just get involved. Um, kudos to Aaron sicker and, uh, Marsha Dixon really spearheaded that, um, with the spike shoe club, but man, that Facebook messenger that people are on and the amount of comments that were coming through, we went to Boston, um, you know, a few days later for the Valentine's meet and saw Kevin Germain, And he's like, I got so many text messages from so many different friend groups. He's like, what's going on? (laughs) I'm like, we're just trying to get some buzz. We're trying to get people to remember and get involved. Um, so huge shout out to our community you have no idea how much that means to us um as a coaching staff what it means in the department that like georgetown track and field is back and uh that involvement that engagement that excitement and like we've talked about in the first podcast like it doesn't have to be even the excitement for the current team it's about reconnecting with people it's about you know remembering those great experiences whether it was on the track or off the track at georgetown um i don't know what you guys think
1: no, it was amazing. I, you know, I saw the messages on Facebook and I was getting direct tech messages and people were trying to compete with other teams and just to, you know, to be able to reconnect with folks, not just about the past, but to support the the, the student athletes now. It's really it's inspiring and, and the student athletes hear about it. I tell yeah. them that people are supporting them and it makes them want to work harder in practice and they want to meet some of the alumni. And unfortunately the timing of Hall of Fame wasn't such that, you know, a lot of the student athletes could see the people who came back in town, but Laura Sturgeon and I'm putting you on record, has agreed to get just as many people to come out to the Penn Relays Happy Hour as came out for the Hall of Fame weekend. And so we're looking forward to seeing everybody in Philadelphia in April.
2: Speaking of Rich, you know, I thought I was doing something great that night to try to spur interest (laughs) and uh, have people uh, connect for the uh, Letter Winner Challenge. And I text him and he's like, I've already reached out to like 20 people (laughs) from my class. Yeah, leave me alone. (laughs) it 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 was pretty interesting. The next morning, you know, we're... Everybody was fired up. How come we didn't win? Something's going on. It was I got so many text messages and um, a lot? Of, I put a lot of people to work, but the enthusiasm was was really inspiring to see. And Rich included. He did he did a good job, but we didn't win. So now I had to put pressure on him for the next year.
4: Yeah,
0: we're gonna have to get more tactical. We lost yeah,
2: to sailing, and late. they we, were really we kicked too t- early.
0: yeah. We kicked too early. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty tactical late into the night. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have to come up with some um, some actual tactics for battle next year. So one of the things that came up in that um, Facebook Messenger conversation, we started seeing pictures of, of old uh, T-shirts, old hoodies. sweatshirts, <laughs> hoodies, uh, long sleeves. And man, I, you know, I wasn't on the team, but I remember seeing seeing that on Georgetown. And uh, once in a while, you'll see something like that pop up on social media or um you know in our equipment room you know when you kind of go into the deep deep dark depths of of uh, some of the old stuff and and trust me there's only like one or two pieces so don't think there's some sort You're of great phone bit. calls tomorrow <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. do you there have an extra large <laughs> yeah there isn't some great big huge inventory but um it got us thinking and um i actually met with pete sherry a couple weeks ago and we sat down and talked about um fundraising um, pete's gonna be helping us along with some others, um, Ray Humphrey, um, the our coaches in the room of, of really starting to um, get serious about things that we need as a program for the future. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was um, p- possibly doing an order of um, a recreation of one of the um, either sweatshirt or long sleeve or t shirt or combination uh, in the next couple of months here, and that would be spearheaded by the coaches, probably outside of the equipment room, alongside Georgetown, obviously. Um, but as also a way to outfit our current alums um, with some of these throwback pieces, because I think a lot of people keep saying, like, they I wish it. I could find it. I don't know where that sweatshirt was. You know, I must have lost it. You know doing some sort of uh, throwback piece and also as a fundraiser for the team. So Georgetown is celebrating 150 years of athletics this year. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. we're doing something really special this year for Penn relays. Um, we're not going to talk about it yet. Hopefully we just unveil it when we're there. Um, but one of the things that we really wanted to do was, um, offer this as an opportunity for our alums but also alongside of it being a fundraiser for the team um, because we'd like to give the team the same piece that we then give uh make as an offering to the alum so if you think that's a good idea uh let us know we would love uh, to get that going here in the next couple of weeks i think we're like I don't know, six weeks out from pen Relays. We're getting close already. Yes. Yeah, so so um, we, we're getting into a short window of time where we could turn something like like this around. But you think this is a great idea, you wanna help me um, organize it, email me julie.cully at georgetown.edu. Um, we want to start to celebrate uh some of our roots in our history, and I think this might be a really cool way to do but it.
3: I really want to see Alton at the Pen Relays Happy Hour that everybody's going to attend, which is bags and bags, bags. of gear. Well, I
0: thought you were going to say like a one piece you <laughs> know, I've, right I've got a singlet. Yeah, no you thanks. might That's be able to <laughs> my Georgetown
2: track singlet. Still fits. Don't tell. That's I good. kept mine. Don't That's tell good. guys. <laughs> yeah. I got mine too. I don't know if it fits. <laughs> and I have I, I have some Georgetown track T shirts too. I have. I, I could be making a little money. So that could answer, help to make the, some money. The
3: answer is yes. It sounds like the the old school gear is a big hit. So the answer is yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. we yeah. should we'll make get this working happen. on we that. Do yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, wanted to give a huge shout out to our brand new 2020 Hall of Fame Georgetown yes. Athletics right. inductees right. from yes. The yes. last weekend. Oh, nice. Very good. Uh, good we like inducted uh, Coach Ron Helmer mm-hmm. um, and two of our. Female athletes are female superstars, uh, both Sasha Spencer and Autumn Fogg. Um, it. I actually had the opportunity to be there this weekend. It was a wild weekend. Yes, uh, if I you imagine. guys haven't heard, you know, my husband and I, Chris, were down in Atlanta for the Olympic Trials. We just so we're gonna to rich
3: about that. Yeah, yep, exactly.
0: Yep. Um, and then I flew back to DC to be part of the Hall of Fame event. Flew out at 6 a.m. with our sports supervisor to meet the team for the Big East Championship. So it was a wild weekend, but. Oh my gosh, I am so thrilled and so thankful that I was a part of that Hall of Fame event. And we go to Hall of Fame, you know, every time there's an induction. But to have three of the seven be part of Georgetown track and field was so powerful Um, And a coach as well, a coach alongside um, two athletes that he actually coached at Georgetown. So um, any feedback you guys heard from this weekend?
1: Oh, no, I thought it was I heard it was great. I saw pictures with Coach Helmer in the middle with probably 40 or 50 of his athletes that came back. And, (laughs) you know, I know that must have been a joy for him Um, being a coach myself. I can only imagine what he felt like that night. That's an honor. Uh,
2: well, I had the pleasure of seeing him. He was in Boston a few weeks before, and um, it was good to at, see him he's uh, coach in, him. He's Indiana? the Indiana, Indiana. University Indiana. Yep. coach. Okay. And yep. um, I don't think people really understood how much it meant to him to get inducted. He missed the final of the Big Ten championships wow. to be at the Hall of Fame.
0: And the that's, Indiana that's, team and they won. won. And the men, the men wow. won. Wow, that's
2: really meaningful. So wow. um, that kind of speaks to how important it was for him to be there. And uh, his speech was long. That's what I heard. <laughs> it was long. But it was. He had long. a lot to say. Good. So, yeah, it's you know. great.
0: It can you imagine how many years worth of stories that you have after having coached? You know, I've yeah. been at Georgetown for six years, and I feel like I have a lot of stories. But um, the amount of time that Coach Holmer was there, and uh, you know, alongside Gags. Um, particularly in his experience bringing the women's program to national prominence, um, was just a, there's a ton of stories. And so I think, you know, Coach Helmer probably heard, uh, five minutes as the speech, uh, you <laughs> know, top end and was like, eh, yeah, no, whatever. I'm not, that's, we're just going to talk. We're going <laughs> to have a conversation. So for him. He, he, told, for him. he told, he uh, told, stories of challenges. He told stories of performance. Uh, so that was, a uh, was a really, really cool to hear some of his, um, remarks, um, and then the women were fabulous. Of course, um, Sasha and, um, Autumn had wonderful things to say about their career here at Georgetown, um, shared a few stories, talked a little bit about their families and, um, it was really special. And, uh, for me personally, um, uh, Autumn Fogg went to my rival high school. So I was wow. a freshman in high school when she was a senior. And to me, she was the gold standard. She was the New Jersey wow. legend before yeah. this
3: New Jersey. There you go. Yeah. 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 Her
0: name, of course, uh, Autumn Fogg. Yeah. And, um, but she was the gold standard for me and then when she committed to georgetown i was like okay Georgetown's the gold standard now there you go um she was somebody i looked up to as a as a young athlete a young kind of aspiring track athlete and you know she did circles around me when i was just getting started um she did circles around me in college too so (laughs) (laughs) it didn't really never really ended um but it was really neat to see her there and her family and her high school coach who is a legend in our in our community, coach Labashka. And he had just had surgery and was there on a walker, but came all the way down from New Jersey to be there. So it's not just about bringing the Georgetown athletes together, but it's a celebration of all the people that were involved um, in the experience and the upbringing um, of these um, athletes that are now being inducted to the hall of fame. So I think we almost get spoiled because we We have so So many many. great athletes at Georgetown that, you know, this, this hall of fame is like, okay, well who's going in this year, but you forget that like, there's hundreds of people behind them that didn't get inducted, but were part of their success and their experience. So I think that was what made this weekend so special was so many people came back because they were part of that experience. And lots of people who won't get inducted in the Hall of Fame that were on relays with them or roommates with them or best friends with them or whatever that was. So it's such a celebration, not just of those individuals, but everyone that surrounded them. It's part of their
1: moment too.
3: And then Sasha.
1: Yeah, so, Julie, you told a great story over the weekend about how Sasha talked about her kids and mm-hmm. the sacrifices that she wanted her kids to understand. Could you could you talk a little bit about that comment that she made mm-hmm. towards yeah. her kids during her speech?
0: Yeah, she was awesome. So, Sasha... Um she gave a great speech. Uh, she's a beautiful speaker. Um, she, I think she does some commentating and stuff too. I think she's so too, probably man, way dude. the heck better than any of us. <laughs>
2: yeah. Way more Definitely better than Alton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. She works for Nike. I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> um, don't get me some Nike gear. Sasha
0: has remained in the sport. She's been a part of track and field since she left. So she ran professionally for Nike. Um, she's been a part of Town USA out in Eugene, Oregon, who has hosted the Olympic trials, been a part of the rebirth of track and field out at, at University of Oregon. Um, and I believe she still works for the organization there. She um, told a story to her children, essentially. She looked at them, and I mean, being a mom, I was like sobbing, right? Um, <laughs> Because she's talking to her kids about the sacrifices that she's made to follow her love and her passion. And that mommy not being there doesn't mean that mommy doesn't love you. It means that mommy is following her heart, but also wants to be a great example for her children um, so that they know that they can follow their dreams too. Powerful. Which it was awesome. I was in tears. And like, I went up to her afterwards, obviously gave her a big hug. And um, I was like, you had me in tears about (laughs) the kid part. And she was like, you know, working moms, we got to stick together. You know, I just thought that was awesome. Because it was like, you know, it's just from the heart. And um, we all know we make a lot of sacrifices, uh, you know, as as moms and dads, um, when we travel a lot and when our jobs require a lot of travel. And um, I think she does do a lot of travel for her job. So, um, you know, beyond her successes, it was cool to kind of bring that back to the human spirit of just like what we continue to do beyond our time at Georgetown. So um, anyway, awesome weekend uh thank you so much uh to those guys and their families and everyone for coming out and showing support for those individuals who are inducted and just support for georgetown track and field was yes. phenomenal super inspiring and congratulations to those guys again congratulations yes. guys!
2: Congrats! great stuff
0: all right guys another awesome episode i'm gonna go ahead Ooh, and say well it was awesome all right, right? Was, we, oh, we have oh, our always. first uh first yeah. big guest on the phone yep. uh, today with rich and special thank you to him and. Um, again we're gonna we're gonna push him to push the podcast too Mm -hmm. so we can reach more ears and have uh, many more many more people involved um, in just hearing the stories of our present and our past so thank you guys so much thank you chris thank you alton thank you steven uh till next time this is the show him the g podcast